best episode ever. No question. Why are you going up there? No question mark. Stu is in agreement <laughs> with me, or am I not in agreement with me? I. Hello. Welcome to Raven On, the Game of Thrones podcast podcast that accompanies the Raven On recaps. And I am Natalie, mother of kittens, Bohensky from the recaps. And with me, as always, is a man who also is untouched by fire. <laughs> that's what he told the coroner after the incident. <laughs> and yet somehow today remains strangely without eyebrows. Stuart Late. Hello. Hello, Natalie. They can't prove anything. So I really enjoyed this episode. I don't I know. I did too. <laughs> and I, I, I do worry that it's going to be quite a boring podcast because it's just a series of things like, did you like that? Yes, I like that as well. <laughs> Moving on. There was one thing I didn't like. I didn't yes. like that Osha died. Yes, that we'll probably that we'll talk about that because I think we, we both didn't like that. Yeah, we so, both didn't yes. like that. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure we'll find things to disagree about. Like maybe you thought Danny was awesome, mm. but I thought she was super awesome. Right. So it's, yes. it could be a degree the shades of, of... Your shades of grey. Shades of grey yeah. in the in the generally accepted awesomeness. Yes, exactly. So let's get in. This was episode four of season six, The Book of the Stranger, a reference to one of the holy texts. Uh, in the Faith of the Seven. And also an excellent prog rock album. Uh, <laughs> if, uh, if anyone's out there and wants it to is, grab that it? one, yeah, yeah, it's a great one. Great that one. is a good one. You could imagine a sort of a moody cover yeah. <laughs> with someone maybe peering at a book. Or someone, someone, on a, someone on a windswept moor. Yeah, maybe you know? a motorcycle. Mm. Yeah, the yeah. Book of the Stranger. It's like, ooh, who's come to town? <laughs> <laughs> it's the Book of the Stranger. I think the thing about this episode for me is there were so many bits where I was like, oh, that's going to be the highlight. And yes. then it <laughs> they just kept, topping, kept topping it. It was incredible. And I, okay, let's talk Castle Black and the Wall first. Let's get it out of the way. Because there were some really key moments here. Oh, yes. First of all, <laughs> the utter sweetness that was John and Sansa reunited. It was great. And when those, when those doors opened, I love that the show was totally like selling the fact that John was leaving. He was getting out of there. As far as we, the audience are concerned, mm. he is leaving. And then just as, like in that wonderful narrative way, mm. just as he's about to leave, the doors swing open and in comes Sansa and Brienne and everyone else. And, and it's Pod. just, and Pod. I loved the fact that we didn't see them last episode. Yeah. 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 And I think that was great because we've often talked in this podcast and regular listeners, listeners will know that we have often talked about the pacing and the timing and how yeah. things seem a bit off and how did they get this far without, yeah. but I felt that not having seen Sansa and Brienne last week, yeah. we actually, their, their arrival at the wall made sense. It gives them license to have traveled some way. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And those few days that they took was the time when John had come back to life and killed Ollie and yes. <laughs> Alison Trump. <laughs> Interestingly, we don't see him telling her about what happened to him. And it's kind of glossed yeah. over in the episode. There, there was a moment where he said, I can't stay here because of what's happened. Mm. But he could easily have just been talking about the fact that the wildlings have come in. And That's right. You know, I, did he, I, I really was interested to know, did he confirm to Sansa that I died and I'm back. Because I got the impression that he didn't, but, yeah, but she never, they definitely left it up in the air. They, they didn't have that conversation on screen. Yeah, because she never reacts in a way of going, so what was it like? Yes. You, do you remember anything? Do you, you know would, how You would happened? have questions. Or have her go up to Melisandre and go, what did you do? Mm. Or something. <laughs> 
as an aside, let's just point out there that Davos finally got around to asking, to asking Melisandre. Melisandre about Shireen. <laughs> we, we kind of assumed that, um, and I, or at least I did, he'd either forgotten or, the, or that they'd already sort of dealt with that or, or that that was something that they'd sort of tabled. Yeah. But no, it's, it's definitely obviously going to be something that's in play. And Brienne interrupts them to say, I know what happened to her. <laughs> She's dead. She's dead. And also, and Davos I couldn't feel- really say anything then. You'd think he might get angry, but Melisandre looked a bit sort of like, mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but she's too obsessed with John now, I think, to really care. Like, yeah, she's kind of she's left all that behind now, and she's she's refocused yeah. on. on I John. mean, we're only talking maybe the difference between the end of last season and now of maybe a week mm. in real time. I mean, they were with Stannis there for a fair amount of yeah, time. So, yeah. and and yeah, when you, when you think about it in Showtime. Like, it's only been, like, a couple of weeks at most. Mm. Like, maybe two weeks. I don't even think it's been that long. You know, so in that time, the wall has gone, like, Castle Black has gone from being run by the Night's Watch to seeing Jon Snow bring a horde of wildlings through to save everyone's life. Then he was murdered. Then he was brought back to life. Now we have Then he killed some dudes. Then he killed some, then he hung some dudes. Then he has Brienne and Santa and everyone show up. So now you have this collection of characters. Yeah. That's happened within a week. A week is a long time in politics. That's right. Exactly. Winston Churchill. (laughs) I think it might be. I don't know. I'm sure. It could could be William Pitt. (laughs) It could be Benjamin Disraeli. It's, It's safe to say it's probably a British prime minister of some description. Who said that? Or you could just be like Tyrion and claim it for yourself. Yeah, true. He's so good. But we'll get to Tyrion. We'll get to Tyrion. Let's talk about that reunion between Jon and Sansa because it was so sweet. It was she lovely. She got off her horse and turned around and he'd heard the gates open and, you know, walked out and just the look on his face and she looked happy sort of from the beginning and he just looked stunned. Like, of yeah. all the people to have look like they've seen a ghost... I mean, really, it should be Sansa. Yes. <laughs> when you think about it, technically. Yeah. But it's John who's just, like, blown away that there she is. Yeah, he was like, why would she even be But then here? I guess she knew she was going to try to find him. He had yeah. no idea. She was even coming. Exactly. she would just turn up like this. So, he, he, fair enough, he is the one who's more shocked. But then they have that little moment and there's a pause. And then the music swells and she <laughs> jumps into his arms and they hug. <laughs> We have not seen any Starks together, I think, since Bran and Rickon split up. Yes. At the end of Series 3. So there's yeah, that's been right. no Starks. Hmm. And I think that was the same episode, or certainly very close, when Arya came almost close to seeing Rob and, and Catelyn the, again. And then the Red Wedding happened. And the Red Wedding happened, and then the last she saw of Rob was his body with the wolf's head on it. Yes, yeah. Not quite the reunion you want. No. Although, technically, she did see her brother again. <laughs> You're splitting hairs there, Arya. I think you'll find you saw him. You saw him. So just settle down. Let's let's not go nuts. I, I just, oh, I was so happy. It was like, lovely. I was and it's, so it's a, happy. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's a great I, moment for them. There's nothing in my actual life. <laughs> not even the kittens. And I'm sorry, kittens. <laughs> They're very cute. But there's nothing in my actual life as, that has made me as happy as I was when John and Santa <laughs> I think that might be troubling. Um, Possibly, maybe a little. Yeah. Although, you know, this show inspires gr- deep emotion, <laughs> both positive and negative. So, you but know. I, t- I was just, and I managed to get, because they were about to meet, and I went, oh my God, I should film my reaction because I think they're about to meet. Yeah. And I managed to grab my camera 
and just flick it on just in time. Yeah. And I, I put that up on the Facebook page. But what you won't notice or maybe you have noticed is that like I couldn't like because I was eating chips at the time. So I had like one hand covered in chip crumbs <laughs> and I was trying to desperately film with the other. It was a very classy look. Oh, I'm yes, sure you'll all absolutely. agree. So um, this whole episode, I, I took the theme of reunions and reunification in my recap, mm. but also what it's about is kind of females leading from the front in many ways. And I, I sort of... That was a strong theme. It was this. a massive yeah. theme. And, but I think I've done female strength and stuff and as themes and recaps before. So I, I took the reuniting aspect or the reunion aspect but this i mean it was a massive theme and, yeah. and the fact that it's sansa who's had time to think about what she wants to do on the way up mm. and rather than you know wanting to run away or hide forevermore is like we have to take back our home and it's john who's like i'm done yeah absolutely flower power i'm a hippie now <laughs> i've pulled my hair back I've, I've, I've got my man bun going i've got yeah. a man bun i'm i'm just into peace love <laughs> don't want to fight I'm a lover, not a fighter. John, I'm okay with that. But, you know, for the purpose of the story, yes. he does need to make a stand. But it, <laughs> it was such a wonderful series of scenes where we saw Sansa mm. starting to say, no, we have to do this. And it, at the end, when the messenger comes from Ramsay Bolton yeah, with that horrible come and see letter, like so... Come and see. So, and, and um, that, that's sort of his catchphrase, isn't it? Like he's said that before. Has he? I think so. It's like um, if he a, hasn't, it will be now. Because it was like was, a, a taunting nursery rhyme. It's like a tone poem or something. Like he just sort come of come and see, come and, come and see. see. There was like this mantra throughout the. Your your brother is in my cells. His direwolf skin is on my floor. Come mm. and see. It's so, it was so menacing. And then John stops reading it at one point, and Sansa snatches it off him to yeah. continue reading. And of course, it's about you know I'm going to rape you and rape you, rape you, rape. Yeah. Rape, 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 death. Yes. Cut out your eyes. And Sansa just. Does not isn't phase. Yeah, isn't Doesn't flinch. It's just like, this just confirms it. I was interested to know how she was so confident that, because it says Lord of Winterfell, mm. and she just says, Roose is dead, Ramsay killed him. Like, because she couldn't have known that because she escaped before Roose died. But she just yeah. must know enough about him to go, well, Ramsay's obviously gotten to him. But she said yeah. it so matter-of-factly, I feel. Yeah, well, it, was, it was like she'd heard it on the way or something, and that's one of those details, yeah. I guess. Maybe we had <laughs> Tune in to Radio Westeros. (laughs) In breaking news, Bruce Bolton has died. His son, Ramsay Bolton, now the heir of Winterfell, uh, Lord of Winterfell, I should say, says that it was poisoning by his enemies. (laughs) The official statement included the bunny ears. (laughs) Tune back in to Radio Westeros. And now a walk in the Black Forest. Goodies reference there for yes. the true believers. <laughs> oh, man, I love the goodies. Ramsay Bolton is a bit Graham when he goes nuts, I must admit. <laughs> he's, he's very Graham, yeah. So the other thing, um, sorry, your comments, Sansa, kicking ass, taking names, John finally agreeing, yep, okay, we have to go fight. Yeah. We're setting up for a big battle. I think we are. I think, And, and we, we see too, and we'll, we'll talk about this in a second, but the forces are converging on the wall. Yeah. And I love this, is that we're seeing, like, the Boltons will, the Bolton army will eventually come north. We see with... Uh, or are they know, converging on Winterfell? Is the north, is the wall going to come south? Oh, maybe. Maybe that will happen the too. the Eerie coming from the east. Hmm. And the Eerie coming, yeah, that, that's where I was getting to with mm. uh, Littlefinger and, and everything that's happening over there. I just loved, I loved with Sansa and, and John, just that catharsis that we get of seeing those two together yeah. again. 
because as... Two Starks. There's, yeah, exactly. Two Starks. Whatever. One's a snow. Mm, who cares? Sure. R plus L Maybe a Super Taco. Whatever. whatever. It's fine. Anyway. anyway. The, and, and they were they were the two... Un, they were un, an unlikely pairing in a way because, you know, yeah. John has strong connections to Arya and Bran and to a lesser extent Rickon. Sansa has strong connections to Arya and probably a strong connection to Bran if she were ever to meet with him. But John and Sansa don't sort of have a strong connection. And that, and and that was part of the joy because yeah, she apologised to him. Exactly, yeah, they had the conversation, which was actually a really lovely conversation that could have been that could have been quite hackneyed and boring, but it was actually wonderful to see these two characters interact. And and both of them sort of admitting Yeah, we, we were kind how, of sh- stupid we were kids. kids. We were terrible kids. You know, she was yeah. up herself and, and he hated was, John and he was like, he Well, was I, a didn't, lemur. I didn't mope around a lot. <laughs> It was so nice, and I just and for me that shows like the the, the beauty of Sansa's journey and development. Yeah, oh yeah, the absolutely. Series. And it's wonderful then to see that she's the one who takes charge, mm. and she's the one who steps up and says, "Look, that's our home. Winterfell is our home. It belongs to us. It's time to go take it back." And suddenly, John has a purpose because he, since he's come back, yeah, he's been trying to get out of there. He's been like, "Look, I'm well, done. I don't, I don't have this command anymore." I, he's he, they were, insane. they were his brothers, his black brothers, yeah, and they betrayed him. His family betrayed him, so he had nothing left. And then all of a sudden, his actual family shows up, and all of a sudden, there's a reason to he live and to fight. And it's, I mean, maybe that's hackneyed and cliched, but God, I loved it's it. Pretty great. Pretty great. Something else that was pretty great. I think it's time. Yes, I it's, it's time. Let's 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 rip the band off. This is going to be let's do it. The rest of the podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't for like Danny's massive pyrotechnic display at the end, we would have just talked about this the whole time. <sighs> Tormien. Tormien. That, that that seems to be the name that that's the consensus has formed. Yeah, around, I did a so. poll on Twitter, and I think it's sitting at about fifty-eight. Oh. 42 or yeah. whatever it is to, to I've seen I've seen other places go with Tommy End as well. So that's the official ship name of Brienne and so Foreman Giants Bane. So shipping. So this was a thing because I was a bit too old for Harry Potter. Like I read Harry Potter, <laughs> but I was in my late teens when it first came out. Yes, yeah. Early 20s and followed it through my 20s. So sure. I wasn't a... 10-year-old, 12-year-old, 15-year-old. No, that's right. got yeah. obsessed with it, right. There's a, there's a generation, and they're about 10 years younger than we are. Yeah. And it was their Star Wars. Like yeah. it was, It was just, they were right, the exact right age for it to be, like, just embedded in their yeah. culture. To the point where you can Google, like, Harry Potter-themed weddings. Yes. And these people have full-on, you know, Quidditch is <laughs> a sport. It's, yeah. It's all that stuff. Totally. They're, that's why, I'm like, why would they make a new Harry Potter movie based on this really thin book that J.K. Rowling did for comic relief? And it's because that generation is, like, in their mid-20s now. And they have disposable yeah. income. That's right. And will pay to go see a crazy made-up. Absolutely. And, and J.K. Rowling's writing plays for it for the West End and, you know, for someone who was like, no, that's it, it's seven books. It's really got an afterlife. Absolutely. I'm sure there will be more Harry Potter eventually as all these kids get to the age where Harry Potter is, I suppose. Anyway, point is, Mm. shipping. Yes. So it's it's basically... It exists long before Harry Potter, by the way. Like this was, it goes right back to like Kirk and Spock. So People that's what I mean. To, so yeah. it's shipping fan fiction. That's what it's. Yeah, it's basically it's relationshipping, right? So it's, yeah. it's the fans imagining, creating. creating out of often out of whole cloth, sometimes not pairings between characters that they think would be good. Mostly sometimes, sexual? usually sexual. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I, I would say one hundred percent, really, or ninety nine percent. Yeah. Sexual, so I, yes. I knew of the term fan fiction, but yes. this one that does the rounds on the internet of shipping, I'm like, yeah. 
do they do they mean sort of seagoing vessels? Or... <laughs> oh right, okay. It's, it's not putting characters out to sea and. But this is the thing. Know. It's like fans deciding that these two characters should hook up, basically. Yeah. Um, and that would be great. No matter what the author and says. Then, and then the sometimes getting quite angry when the authors or author decides, ah, no, that that's not happening. Getting quite angry. So I don't think that's going to happen in this case. But yeah, well, that's the thing. This so the I, I didn't. Particularly, like, I, I saw Tormund looking at Brienne when they walk in, uh, right in, I should yeah, say. Yeah, and you don't immediately pick up no, on you it. Didn't when you go back, it's It was quite... more him just kind of looking like, who the hell are these people? Like, yeah, right exactly. In, where have they come from? More sort of like, but when you go back happened? But when you go back and watch it, yeah. he's very clearly smitten with this lady in armour who's suddenly ridden through the... Through the thing. And then it later makes on. total sense. I know, I know, exactly. Like, and it I makes so much sense. I didn't even think about yeah. it. Like, when we were saying, oh my God, what if Sansa gets to the wall and meets John? Like, we never even put together in our minds. And I think that's why every, I think that's why it's exploded. It came completely out of left field. It was so great. But it, it shouldn't have. I know, I know, it that's right. It shouldn't have. We but should have been. It's the great thing that the show can do now where it's throwing all these characters together and seeing what happens. And what happens when Tormund and Brienne get in the room is that Tormund eats meat in the most <laughs> sexual way I've ever seen. Outside of some pornography. Not all pornography. I would say this is probably more pornographic than some actual pornos I've seen. And you just... Oh, I, I just... I would have loved to have been on set. <laughs> and how they didn't... But I hope there's, like, behind-the-scenes outtakes and stuff of them oh, laughing. Yeah. Oh, my God. he would have had to have gone through, you know, <laughs> just the munching and the... It's just sort of the tilt of the head. I know, like... Just, and the way and the just, eyebrows... Just sex eyes. Yeah. Like, just sex eyes for days. And then all of a sudden, Brienne is, like... She's all embarrassed. She's like, all genteel <laughs> and sort of ladylike. But then she always, she always has been, though. She's always been quite shy around people when she isn't, like, hacking their limbs off. True. Yeah, she's not a conversationalist. No, that's right. Yeah. She's always she's quite a shy person. She's not a raconteur. No, exactly. But then I love, like, it's just A-grade reactions as well. Because, like, Brienne <laughs> is, like, awkward as hell. And then we, we, we quickly showed, shoot over to Dolores Ed, who's sitting in the corner going, what is going on here? Like, what am I in the middle of? It's amazing. It's the best thing. But I just, I mean, I'm so, and I mean, if you just go and look at Twitter or look at BuzzFeed or something, there it just, are already it, loads as of soon as that, the, the second that that scene aired, it just exploded on the internet. It's amazing. And you tweeted that little gif of um, him looking at Brienne and Brienne looking back. There's just, just cartoon hearts, hearts everywhere. Just it's, raining hearts over the, the whole screen. It's the best thing. Um, I'm a big fan of Tormund, I'm a big fan of Brienne, and I'm a big fan of Tormian. <laughs> I knew I, you would be too. Like, when I was like, Stewie. <laughs> Were you like punching the sky? Or oh, yeah, I was, I was cheering. That's fantastic. This is the, there were so many fun moments in this. Yeah, in the, there just was, there exciting was so much joy. and fun and joyful moments in this episode. I'm, I'm trying not to let myself be like... No, I know. Oh, they're setting us up for a hammer blow. Oh, we are, we are no, getting... Oh, it. man. Don't say Something it. is coming that they are going to... They are just going to wreck us with. Oh, that's what I don't want because I was thinking I've had so much happiness this episode. I know. And it's, you know, okay, there was the ocean bit for a little balance, but overall I've just never seen everyone so happy. And, <laughs> and oh, my God. What's going to happen? Who are they going to kill off next week? And I'm not going to be able, I'm going to be a screaming mess on the floor. Mm. So, oh God. But yeah, Tommy and it was, we'll come back to that. We'll it's great. And it needs to, it needs to keep going. That needs well, to be a thing that, how that do you continues. Think it will un- do you think that she'll 
Because, I mean, Brienne's clearly never been well, they're with going, a man. She's never, I don't think but that's But they're, they're going to fight together. I, I assume so. Like, oh, like, yeah, Because fighting. that's going to happen. Which, you know, and that's... What so they're going to be in close proximity for a long time, which brings plenty of opportunities for various interactions, yeah. and I just well, cannot wait. <laughs> Some of the, the gifts and the comments that have been going around refer to the fact that Brienne fought a bear and Tormund, according to legend and his own stories, <laughs> did something else with a bear. Mm, yes. So, you know, there's some interesting conversations. Absolutely, for yeah. Them. Like, oh, how you do around uh, Ursine? You know, I was about to say some Ursine-related uh, conversation. <laughs> uh, so, I, oh, man. Yeah, I just, I mean, I love the fact that great thing about the wildlings is they just, their lack of any kind of preconceived gender. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're, you're, Westerosi culture is very, uh, you know, it's very, it mirrors like England in the Middle Ages. Yeah. Very uptight, very formal. And there's roles for women, there's roles for men. And yeah. wildlings are like, she's riding a horse in armour. Yeah. She's clearly a warrior. I am into this. I am so into this. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. I think that was just, yeah. I wish I could have seen it coming. Like, I'm, I'm so mad at myself. But that's what's so wonderful about it is I that know. you didn't see it coming. And the show just sort of went, here's a little, here's a little yeah. thing for you. We know it's been tough recently. Here's something for you. Here's something to dine out on as much as Tormund is dining out on that hunk of meat. Might have been bread. Apparently a lot of people think it's bread. Some people think it's I don't think it matters. Yeah. Whatever it was, he was giving it the gumming of a lifetime. (laughs) Woo! Let's go and talk about some other things. We mentioned we were talking just before about Littlefinger and the armies of the Eyrie. Absolutely. Famously reluctant to get involved with all the other wars. They yeah. stay back and protect the Eyrie, but they have no choice now. No, that's right. And it's four episodes in, and we're finally seeing Peter Baelish for the first time this season. Yeah. Uh, which is crazy. Like, you know, he was such a mover and shaker throughout the, the previous five seasons. Mm. He's been absent for the first three episodes of the season. It's, it's really strange. It's been so long that I almost forgot that I hate him. <laughs> and then you saw his face. Like, I saw him, and I was like, oh! Baelish, I'm glad to see you back. I hate you. (laughs) But I don't hate him as passionately as maybe I once did. Like, I'm sure I'll get back to that. But in this episode, I was like, oh, you're just a ski. He hasn't done anything expressly horrible this season. So I think we've got him on probation at the moment. Yes. So he turns up at Lord Royce's place to see how Robin Aaron is doing. Mm Mm-hmm. Robin, as we would imagine and predict, is useless at archery, and we can only assume is useless at everything. Yes. But is quite taken with the idea of the falcon hmm. that he is Baelish gifted. Gives him to him as a gift. And that makes sense, because he certainly seems like the kind of kid who'd be like, I can't do anything good, but look at my falcon, which yeah. is awesome. That's right. You know, that's the kind of kid that he'd be have the shiniest bike hmm. and the coolest tablet phone. <laughs> what are the kids into? Whatever the kids do, the, shiny, the, the best yo-yo, the best I don't know. The best Pokemon mm, yeah, toy. Yeah. I, but he himself wouldn't have no skills, but he would have stuff that was cool. Absolutely. And clearly, Baelish, who's technically his stepfather, not his uncle, but we'll leave that go by. Mm. Somehow he's his favourite. Unky Pete. But he's, Pete. he's very good at insinuating himself into powerful families. This is the thing. Baelish, this is not the first time Baelish has done that. And he exercises that power in the most wonderful way, yeah. if, if you just appreciate the Machiavellian horror of it all, yeah. how he just instantly engineers a situation where Lord Royce could be thrown out the moon door if if, if Robin decides to. Now, do you think, because there's been a, a lot of talk on the, on the Cheeseburger Gothic forum today, thank you all those who comment, love your work, mm-hmm. please do, and a few people saying he wasn't 
serious. He was just making that up. Yeah, no, no. I, and I, Lloyd I, Royce just kind of shuts up and goes, like, so. No, no, I'm pretty sure he was duped. This is the thing. Like, like he was manipulated into a situation by Baelish of showing his hand. I don't, I don't think Lord Royce actually told the Boltons anything. Okay. Right. I think. I thought he had an air of suspicious, su- suspiciousness. An no, I think, suspic- I think that was, that was more, um. Suspiciousness. <laughs> I think that was more just... I'm so drunk right now. <laughs> We've got to stop been, drunk yeah, casting. Yeah. There's, there's empty bottles everywhere. Listen, actually, we should do crazy. that. See, I'm not a drinker, so we should mm. actually have a night where I have a few drinks and then talk about Game of Thrones. I'll probably get myself into a lot of trouble. But Dan from Smart Enough to Know Better, if he's listening, because he loves it when we refer to him in the podcast. Yes. Hello, Dan. If he just heard me say, I'll have a few drinks... He'll get very excited, <laughs> except for the fact that he's not watching the series at the moment. So he's going to come. He's in holidays and stuff. So he's not right. going to hear this for like months or something. So and months from now, you're going to knock on the door. He'll show up, an, bottles yeah, in hand, bottles in hand, going, "Let's get pissed and talk about Game of Thrones." <laughs> and by then, I'll be over it. So okay, fair enough. Save your wine, Dan. Anyway, Littlefinger, friend or foe to John and Sansa? He's moving his army because he says to Robin. You know, hey, how about it? And Robin goes, oh, I suppose she's our cousin. She's my cousin. Do you think they're think, actually going to help? Are I think short-term, short term, yes, but I think Littlefinger has larger goals in mind. What does he want to do? I think, no. Oh, maybe. I, I, I thought he would want to try and marry Sansa to Robin. They're cousins, but hey, look. That happens. They might as, well, happens. Be, they might as well be strangers yeah. when it comes to the Game of Thrones world. Exactly. Um, wow, they've actually got one degree of separation. Yeah. <laughs> Genetic separation. That's a plus. Um, I hmm. And then join like like the North and the Vale and that becomes like an unstoppable superpower that he's kind of well, in the Knight- charge of. Yeah. The Knights of the Vale are fine fighters. That's yeah. always been the mm. the thing that they're reputed for, but they never seem to get much practice because they just hang around the Eerie. They hang around the Eerie all the time. I assume having tournaments or something <laughs> to keep in shape. But I... I hope that he has a sense of decency. I think I said that in my recap, that it's like maybe he's got a, an ounce of moral, like if he's found out what happened to Sansa. Oh, no, no, no. I think I think, I think he Ramsey- engineered the situation. I think one way or another, he was coming back to the Vale to tell them that Sansa was Ramsay's captive and to use that to spur the Knights of the Vale into action. Oh, right. But then he found out Sansa had escaped. No, I don't think he did. Yeah, he did because he said she was heading to the wall. Did he? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. She's heading to the wall where her brother John is Lord Commander. Oh, okay. Well, in that well, in that case, it probably just worked out in his favour. Mm. But I, but I do think that was his plan from the beginning to leave Sansa with with Roose or Ramsay and then to head back because it was a secret deal. He's a cunning bastard. He is like like, and he would run, he would then go back to the Eyrie and go, "Hey, we were waylaid. I only got away by leaving Sansa behind. Let's go get her back." Yeah, but then a lot of time has passed. We yeah, but it always it. does. People have to walk everywhere. Like yeah. <laughs> he didn't. He was in a nice fancy. Well, that, that's true. But you know, like it's not as quick. All as right. Well, I'm I'm still a little confused by what he's up to. But then, when haven't I been confused by little finger? Baelish is always confusing us he with what he tends does. Tends to hold his cards close to his chest until yes. he gets a chance to do a monologue about <laughs> oh the power when it comes to <laughs> it's like a ladder. It has rungs, and you climb those rungs. And I, I tell you what, though. At some points, there aren't any rungs because they've been <laughs> knocked out by a storm or the ladder is old. So you have to go to Bunnings and buy a new ladder. 
And then you climb that ladder, but then apparently it's not regulation height and you, can't, you have to take it down because it doesn't have a safety tag, etc., etc. So, um, it's telling though that I don't think he's been at his best since Varys left. Like having oh. having that having that sort of pseudo adversary. But he left before Varys did. Yeah, yeah, but but like so Varys has left Westeros so since he's since since been... they've been separated. I feel like Varys as a character is fine. Like, he's playing off Tyrion, he's being all sassy over in Essos. But I think Littlefinger seems... I don't know, yeah, he doesn't He doesn't hit that Machiavellian highs. It's, it's hard to be chaotic when you have no order there to report. That's right, exactly, yeah. He, he doesn't have his... He just looks disorganised. Exactly. <laughs> well, let's go over to Varys. Varys? Let's go over to Essos, where Varys and Tyrion are. And Varys was quiet during this whole sequence, but Tyrion made up for it because he did all the talking. So the masters arrive mm. uh, from Astapor, Yunkai, and... That other place? Volantis, I Volantis, think. Yes, yes. There we go. And they have come to say, hey, give us back our slaves. And Tyrion says, I'll make you a deal. Mm. The queen, because it's not him, it's the queen. <laughs> yes. Very good diplomatic mm. behavior. The queen will let you have seven years to get rid of slavery and you'll be compensated, you know, when that happens. Yeah. And this is the best offer. And Grey Worm and Missandei are not impressed. No. <laughs> In fact, it's time for another episode of Living at Home with Grey Worm and Missandei. What did you think of Tyrion today making this offer, Grey Worm? I did not like it. I also did not like it. In fact, I'm very passionately against it. So am I. Living at home with Grey Worm I forgot their names. <laughs> We're working on that sitcom. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a corker. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yes, Grey Worm and Missandei were not happy because no. they've been slaves <laughs> and they understand. Tyrion was a slave for about seven minutes. And she, has, she has a good line. It's like, oh, how long, how long were you a slave again? And he's like, long enough to understand, long, long enough to, to get the gist of it. You know, and then she, she counters with, no, you, you don't understand. Yeah, he says long enough to know, and she says not long enough to understand. Yeah. Uh, Which seems fine, and I think neither of us are qualified to expound on that too much further. No, we have not ever been slaves. No, exactly. Although we have both worked as journalists. <laughs> I just did it, didn't I? I made a joke. I made a joke, and that was inappropriate, and I'm sorry <laughs> for comparing the under-resourced profession of journalism to slave. I did it again. I did it again. I'm sorry, everyone. Bad taste, Natalie. So, Tyrion's very cocky about his plan. He is, which, which makes me very worried. Because when people are cocky about plans in this show, plans <laughs> tend to go badly. But Varys says nothing. You would have thought that he'd have some wise advice, so he must be all for this. Yeah, and it's strange that Varys is kind of absent from this. Like he's, he's there. He's there, but, but he's not engaged in anything. I guess he's the master of whispers. He's meant to sort of take a step back. That's but, true. But yeah, it seems like we should have heard more from him this week and they wanted to concentrate on the conflict between how Tyrion feels it should go down and Missande and Grey Worm's direct experience with the wise slash benevolent slash whatever masters of those cities. Yeah, they're really skeevy too, those masters. And they are. They're it was skeevy. really weird for Tyrion to go, actually, no, because it was a statement, wasn't it? He brought in these girls for them. Yeah. And said freedom will taste just as good as what yeah. came before. So That's it was right. as the idea, I guess, that girls who were there willingly might actually be more enjoyable. Yeah. 
as sexual partners <laughs> than slave girls. It's a revolutionary idea for it ESOS. Is. Um, but he has a point. You know, you don't need slaves to make money, um, but that's mm. just the way they like to do things. I'll be interested to see how it all pans out because, of course, given the events of what happens at the end of the episode with Danny, she might just decide, no, no, we can just end all slavery now. Yep. We don't need another system. That's right. It's all going down. Dragons are basically the nuclear weapons of, of Westeros. And if yeah. you have three of them, you basically get to do whatever you want. I am intrigued as to how the Masters recaptured those cities when clearly they must have used slave labour as the soldiers, like the Unsullied. They must have had other armies of Unsullied who weren't freed by Danny. That must be it, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I think so. It out I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. It, Danny didn't buy Danny's all un, the Unsullied. Yeah, she, she, she had all, all, the, all the Unsullied that they currently were selling. Yes, that's right. Which was a couple of thousand, I think. That and, was a stupid yeah. thing for me to say. But anyway, we, work, we was, work these things out. The, the situation in Slaver's Bay is extremely complicated, even for this show. <laughs> so you're not you're not in, in bad form there It's at all. morally grey. Yes, yes. Um, unlike Grey Worm, who is morally black and white. So, mm. interesting. Yeah. Let's go over to King's Landing. Let's check out what's happening there. And we actually had a reunion between Slow Loris and <laughs> Kate Middleton. Kate Middleton. Who's looking trashy. She's a hot mess there in the dungeon. And but she it's was, sort of a stylish trashy, isn't it? It's oh, like, yeah. It's like, you know, yeah, she's trashy working. chic. She yeah. could still be on the catwalk oh, tomorrow. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. She has to have a big meeting with the High Sparrow mm. and learn about shoes. There was some moral lesson there about <laughs> shoes. I have to admit, he kind of, he has these great moral lessons that I don't know what he's... But can I just say, like, as far as origin stories go, it's a pretty lame origin story. Like, no, it's the same I had origin a, I had story. A big, I had a big party one time. Yeah, you I know, had a bit of we, a hangover afterwards, so I said, screw this, I'm out. We did some blow, did some hookers, and then all of a sudden I woke up kind of just regretting felt that. just so empty, and I just went to find myself. <laughs> He's a hipster. <laughs> and, like, I'm not wearing shoes anymore, guys, because they're sort of showing the trappings of a industrialised capitalist society well, so because that I'm not a cobbler. into. Yeah. You know, shoes it's thematic. were my things, it's thematic. and now they're not anymore. He made shoes, but and now he doesn't even wear shoes. It's the same origin story as kind of most people who go through that road to Damascus moment of, yeah, exactly. like of you, conversion. And, and, and that's deliberate, but it also makes for yet another boring part of this Fairly boring character. I like just want to know what he's get, like. Maybe, and you've always said all along he's just a fanatic. He just I wants. I think so. I, I still don't. But, but it's Game of Thrones. But, like, but that's, that's the I'm thing. I'm used to people having motive A, but also motives B through this week, in. You this know? week did suggest to me that he might be playing a longer and larger game, and I didn't really pick up on it until the later scene at the small council. And, and when Tommen and Cersei have a talk. So we might talk about that in a second. But oh, yeah, yeah. Because there's stuff there and there's stuff that happens with Yeah, well, with let's, we, can, we can talk about well, that Well, now. because... because it's so, so, he, so basically, he, he talks to Marjorie and says, you know, we're, we're being really nice, we're being really friendly here, you know, we're, we're all sinful, but we're like, I don't wish you any harm. I want you to be, you know, free of your sin. That's what I want to be. And we get this origin story from him. Then he says, as a show of good faith... You can see your brother. Now, Slow Horus is in a pretty bad way in the cells. It's mm. obvious that he's been receiving some different attention than just having scripture read at him yeah. by a stern matron. And he's done. Like, he is absolutely... He wants out. He wants out at any cost. And she, she again, is that the woman in the scene is taking agency and saying, no, you're the, you're the heir of Highgarden. 
you have to be strong and, and we're going to get through this. Give them nothing, right? And he says, I'm done. Like, I'm yeah. done. We need to end this. The first step towards ending it is Marjorie doing her version of the Walk of Shame. And so I think she agrees to that off screen, I guess, or... Well, last week, Tom and had that chat with the High Sparrow. The High Sparrow. And, and that comes into play then. But they didn't mention explicitly, I think they talked about Mar- Marjorie having to atone or something like that, but they didn't explicitly mention yeah. a walk of shame. So it's what then when he says to Cersei, I've got to tell you something. Yes. And she's like, I'm your mother. And then they cut away. I think that's when he reveals because she then brings it up in, in that's the right. small council exactly. scene. That in fact, he plans to have Marjorie do the same thing as Cersei did. Yeah. And Olena Tyrell, <laughs> who we'll, as we know. Will not stand for this. <laughs> has murdered people to yes. stop them hurting Marjorie. Literally murdered them. Uh, says that will not happen. Mm. And Cersei says, I agree. And all of a sudden, Cersei and Olena are on the same side. I know, I'm scared too. And then they happen to remind Sir Kevin Lannister, which always it always made me wonder why he wasn't more proactive about this in the first place. But, you know, they remind him, hey, you know your son is like one of those crazy religious nutjobs. <laughs> Aren't you, like, tired of that? <laughs> Aren't you a bit sick of that? He's like, yes, of course I am. Yeah, he all of a sudden he remembers, oh, that's right, yeah. It's also helpful for the members of the audience, including me, who had completely forgotten that Lancel is his son. Oh, really? So, yeah, I'd completely forgotten that. Oh, wow, So I was okay. like, okay, that, that's a good little reminder for people of yeah. the stakes that all the characters well, are involved. Well, they've never really pointed out and gone, ah, Sir Kevin or Uncle Kevin or... No, exactly, and that's why yeah. that, that line is there. Is it a bit, who is that guy again? It's hard to keep track. That's why they're killing off so many. Yeah. <laughs> We're streamlining the series down. Eventually, it'll just be Jon Snow and Ghost, partners in crime. <laughs> Game of Thrones, Miami Vice. <laughs> that makes no sense. So... But my, my point was then, so Olena and Cersei and eventually Kevin come to the conclusion... It's a weird name. <laughs> Olena, Cersei, Cersei, Kevin. Kevin. Yeah, mate, no, we got a problem down in Flea Bottom. I'm going to need those soldiers to come. What do you mean you can't get them here till Thursday? Mate, I said I need 10,000 soldiers to come into... Mate, I don't... No, I don't care about your problems with... How many brothels? All of them on fire? Well, I can't spare any... Mate, you can... Shut... I don't care that you're burning. I need to... Oh, God, I'm working with amateurs here. (laughs) That's what Kevin sounds like to me. It does, yeah, yeah. Because I'm Sir Kevin Lannister. I don't care that it has an A instead of an I. It's still Kevin. It has a fantasy spelling, but a very real-world uh, connotation. At least put an extra V in there somewhere, so it'd be like Kevan. Kevan. Yeah. <laughs> Sir Kevan. That just, stuff. <laughs> no, that doesn't work either. Does that, that doesn't work either. But given that it's like Tyrion and Tywin, and then Jamie all of a sudden. I mean, yeah. I suppose Jamie is a bit odd. Given their history, it's weird that he would have given Tyrion the T name. Yeah, you would you know, have thought the first would... I guess he was eldest. breaking with tradition or something. Mm. I don't know. Strange. So they, Elena and Cersei, both come to the agreement that they're going to use uh, Tyrell troops to stop any walk of shame that's going to happen. And all Kevin Lannister has to do is just tell his troops not to do anything. Back down, guys. Back down. No, I don't care if... <laughs> no, we're back in there. Shut up. I, who gives the orders around here, mate? Do you want Smoko or do you not want Smoko? Just shut the hell up, back down. I'm just, let the Tyrells through. I know they're a bit poncy in their little floral outfit. Just stand the hell down. Sorry, I'm enjoying this character. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird breakout character. I like him. <laughs> Kevin um, Lannister. <laughs> the Aussie Westerosi. <laughs> 
there you go. Bam. <laughs> okay. We'll someone, workshop it. We'll workshop someone it. who can draw. If anyone is listening, to this, <laughs> I would like to run a competition to find a picture of Sir Kevin Lannister, the Aussie Wester Aussie. Please draw. Uh, put on the Facebook page, Natalie's Throne, yes. facebook.com slash Natalie's Throne, and we'll have some sort of prize for the winner. I can't guarantee that. We'll we'll give you adulation. <laughs> we'll say thank you very forcefully. Yeah, we'll, we'll put it up on Facebook. We'll have a bit of a competition, maybe do totally. people's choice. Absolutely. I would love to see pictures of a, an Australian Westeros. <laughs> he's Kevin and he's here to help. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kevin. I'm from Castle Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin ten oh seven. What was that word that Rudd always used to say? Um, you know how he used to have his big words. Oh yeah. Um, it doesn't matter. Yes. Anyway, Kevin ten oh seven. Do do it, people. Do it. <laughs> I can't draw. If I could draw, I would be drawing that. But I cannot draw. It's a pain of my life. That not being able to do maths, not being able to sing properly, not being able to run. Them a big four. <laughs> so, but anyway, Tyrell, my, my larger troops. point, my larger point is that Cersei and Olena are running off information that they have gotten pretty much directly from the High Sparrow, right? Because he's told Tommen, and Tommen told Cersei. Poor Tommen. It's this little chain of whispers up to up mm-hmm. to the small council. Now, it makes me wonder whether he is maybe setting them up. He knows that Highgarden would never stand for Marjorie doing something like Cersei had to go through. So he knows that there will be some sort of retaliatory action and he'll be ready for it. Or something will happen. He'll engineer some situation. Because every, every time someone with power has tried to confront the High Sparrow, he's always defused them. Every time. Either with words or with intimidation like when Jamie confronted him in the Sept. He, You've he was distressed like, me, Stu. This is a highly possible and probable yes. thing well, it to just, do. Because all the, I, I would be fine with it if they had come up with this idea by themselves but they didn't. They came up with it because the High Sparrow said to Tommen, this is going to happen. And we've seen that scene in the trailers where a group of men with spears are yeah, outside true. the uh, thing. So something's going to happen. I as, don't know what. As Olena said, what. people will die whatever we do better them than us. Better them than us, which is a great line. She's and so good. Dame Diana Rigg just being amazing. Oh. Just, just great. Like just magnetic on screen. It's just incredible. And given the fact that all her acting is with her face, like she rarely mm. walks. She rarely, she generally just sits and sort of talks and yeah. everything is with that face. Oh, she's brilliant. She's so good. I think that was all in. That's pretty much all King's in King's Landing, Landing this week. Yeah. So let's um, just briefly mention, I think we touched on Ramsey and Osha. Yeah, so this was a so, sad way for Osha to go. It was, and kind of I, redundant again, because do we need, like, again, we have this conversation basically every episode yeah. now. Do we need to know that Ramsay Bolton is an utter bastard? I don't necessarily I think, think though, we do. think, given the fact that he was sending the letter, you know, just having him there, you as know, a presence. as a presence, and so they have when to give the him letter comes. To, like, from, from, a, from a backstage perspective, they have to give him something to do yeah. for these episodes. Like, like Chekhov's gun, you kind of have to put it there if you want to yeah. use it. Yeah. And, and so when that letter arrives at the wall, And I guess they were more... done with Osha. Like, I guess she was done. Yeah. And, she, you know, it was great the way you immediately went, you know, there's no way she's lying her head off. And, yeah. looking, and when she sees the knife, you're like, yeah, get him. I just, I don't know what it is about me that I keep living in hope for some of these people. <laughs> This, this, this show is probably, there's a reason this show keeps resonating so strongly with you because it gets you hook, line and sinker every time. I just, I'm so naive. <laughs> 
I just am looking at Osha going, this might be it. She, and, and yet at the same time, I knew that she probably wasn't going to be able to stab him, but I didn't expect him to shove a second knife, a hidden knife. Yes. Right through her throat. He's like the Joker. He always has knives. Like yeah. <laughs> he is a bit Jokerish. He is a bit Jokerish in the in the worst way. In the way like in the Heath in, Ledger in, way. Well, yeah. Although Heath Ledger was amazing as a Joker, but yeah, yeah, you know, but not in the season Romero way. In <laughs> yes, exactly. But in the series of movie villains following Heath Ledger's Joker, who always have like a plan that requires ten steps of planning ahead of. Any random event suddenly happening, they'll have the perfect response to it and things yeah. like that. You know, so Ramsey happens to have a knife hidden because he knew that this was happening and blah, blah, blah. Oh, I see. You know, like yeah. it just, he has the perfect response to a situation where someone is trying to get one up on him and he's like, aha. Well, I- he clearly set it up so that yeah. he could tell. Because he, he was saying, you know, why do I have a use for you? Yeah. And then she just goes straight for the sex thing. But, mm. you know, that's not what motivates him. You know, she thinks that it does, but. I don't think it does at all. Yeah, no, no, not at all. So it was sad to lose her and she had such a, I mean, it was a good death. She died, you know. She, like she died trying to kill the bad yeah, guy. Yeah, um, I did, It was it, fine. Out it of all fine, the, out it's of all the, because out of the entire episode, that was the only scene where I was kind of like, oh, okay. I was this like, again, no, no, this again. no, no, and, like, and yeah, yeah, you're like, you're, you're disappointed to see this character go because like, you know, she's a great actress and, and the character is, yeah, has been with badass. us for a long time. But we didn't see um, her for a whole season. Yeah, exactly. And she disappeared Two with Rickon. Seasons, I think. She disappeared with Rickon. Yeah. And so now she's dead. Okay. Yeah. It feels right. a bit. It feels a bit thankless. And again, like the show is back for one scene, two scenes, yeah. and one of them is your death scene. One of them is your death scene. And yeah, it just feels a little bit thankless, but... And it's not even like a memorable death scene, I guess. She just kind of got stabbed and then she died. And well, I felt that she had that moment, like, she had a moment of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. oh God, the potential. And, yeah. And and what will happen to Rick on now sort of thing. Yeah. But let's go over to uh, the Dothraki Sea, to Vase Dothrak, and, oh, what a climax. But before we get there, <laughs> Jorah and Mario... It's a little bit, uh, we're having, off having on a... the road to Vastothrak. <laughs> we're certainly having a time. You're quite an old dude with some scaly skin that I don't like. And you're a young upstart who looks like he'd shove me with a pike. Oh, that rhyme just fell apart, Natalie. Wow. What are you doing? Point is, little buddy road movie thing happening. It is, absolutely. And Mario keeps niggling Jorah. Like you're just, old, just real, you're yeah. old, and it's like he's got grayscale, and he, you know he really he only realizes that later on, and seems a bit more empathetic after that. Yeah, but he's just well, they definitely have a friendly like, rivalry. I banged her. You'll never bang her. Boo! You're old. Like, <laughs> Mario, you don't need to do this, bro. Yeah. You can yeah. just have a little bit of humility that's, about you. I don't. think Jorah that's just does the best kind of old man. You know, <laughs> what's that phrase? Age and experience will defeat youth and energy every time or something like that. He just looks at him like, you're trying to wind me up. Yeah. I'm not going to get It's not up. happening. You know, but internally he must be like, I'm going to punch you. But of course, if he punches him, if he touches him. Well, yes, yeah. He could get grayscale. Absolutely. So he's got to be really careful. And he, he must be like, just shut up, you idiot. <laughs> and then they see Vase Dothrak and like, that's where Danny will be. We've got to ride in like the cavalry. But Jorah stops Mario. You know, we've got to get rid of our weapons. And it is the dumbest plan. Like, it's just... <laughs> what are they going to do? They're going to snatch her and then run? They have horses. They have, like... 
But if they got a head start, if they stole some horses and got a head start, but of course they'd have Mm. to try and go back to where they left their weapons. Yes. That's what I never get about when you sort of hide your weapons somewhere. Yeah. Inevitably... You're never going to go. No, that's right. Yeah. Inevitably, something in movies, the plan, you know, something happens, and then you have to go. Oh my god, this plan didn't work. (laughs) Plan B, plan B, and you never go back. No. So I'm glad that Mario hid his naked lady dagger (laughs) because he likes that knife. He likes that knife. He kisses that knife (laughs) knife and caresses it on the cold, lonely nights. And yeah, and then we have that little adventure with them romping around Vase Dothrak and coming Mm. across some Dothraki, which didn't really. It didn't have to be there in a way but yeah in a way but but then it it would also be that they had to show them getting in because otherwise they just waltzed into like the like a hundred thousand like he says yeah there's a hundred thousand dothraki down there and they just waltzed in with no one finding them yeah so at least they had a scene where they were confronted by someone there was a bit of trouble there was a bit of back and forth and then they kill him and mario runs after one of them strangles him no problem and then Jorah is really being... <laughs> he, is, he is not winning that fight. He was at the point of choking He out. was getting choked to death, yes. And then, of course, got stabbed through the heart by Mario and his special dagger. That's right. <laughs> I told you I was very attached to this knife. <laughs> and then they managed to sort of kidnap Danny a bit, I guess. Again, lucky coincidence yeah, that she decided exactly. she had to go for a pee. They were obviously... Oh, I mean, they, they were waiting outside, I guess. They were waiting for their chance and they saw her come out. So they were like, right. Now's when we do it. And then she's like, guys, I got this. <laughs> Settle did down. Did she know? Did she have that plan initially? Or I did feel she just... like she has been unflappable for like the entire time that she's been there. Do you know what I mean? Like she has just been sitting there biding her time. I think some version of this plan has been playing out in her mind for a while. And it just took, it just took Dario and, and, uh, and Jorah to show up. To sort of crystallise and go, okay, here's what we're going to do. Because I think that she needed them to block the door. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She needed, she needed someone to help her well out. Because it's all very well to set some flaming braziers alight. <coughs> set some flame. They're already alight. Still over. over. yeah. But if they run for the door and get out, well, then you, you've lost anyway. So I think it was their appearance. Mind you, why am I trying to give them credit for her plan? That's ridiculous. Why? <laughs> Kind of they, they're, a cu- they're a couple of chuckleheads. But I, think, they don't... I think I think it coagulates, it coalesces. Yes. When they turn up and she realizes, okay, I've got a bit of backup who can do this element of my plan, but she doesn't tell them. No. Maybe maybe she tells them because uh, oh, I'm seen... pretty sure I'm pretty sure she told them what she was going to do. Okay. And Jorah would have been like, well, I've seen this happen before, so it's totally cool because I imagine Mario <laughs> probably raised objections. It's like, so hang on, so you're going to burn it down with you inside it? I see a flaw already. <laughs> Right, he's going, no, 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 we got this. here's the question. The young Khaleesi, who I really love that little moment that she had with that um, young Khaleesi, the 20-year-old or so, who'd been, you know, married off at 12, 13, had a baby, beaten up, and then widowed at 16. Yeah. And she says, you know, pity it didn't happen sooner. And and the girl laughs, you know. And it was that lovely shared moment of, oh, yeah, this is kind of a sucky life. Yeah, so, that's right. So, you know, being a Dosh Kaleem is probably the best you can hope for for most yeah, of them. For most know, of them, yeah. Being absolutely. out of the way of the Carls, not touched, mm. being in a group of, of women with similar experiences and kind of being wise. Yeah, that's right. It's kind of the best you're going to get in this world, <laughs> but not Danny. Danny is not... No, absolutely. But I did like, I did like too, that she had a conversation with the sort of the leader of the Dosh yeah, yeah. where... They had that sort of connection where she sort of pointed out, like, yeah, like, this is a lot better than it usually is for a woman in Dothraki society. Like, it's, 
you know, they listen to us. Like if we if we give them wisdom, they'll they'll tell us. You know, that we'll tell them stuff. And I hope you get to live to out your life here. Yeah, yeah. The alternatives it's not are, so bad. You know, the alternatives are not great. Yeah, which we find out what they are. Yes. When Danny is brought in to hear the judgment upon her. Yes. And I saw, you know, Carl Morrow, Carl Chocolate Bar. Yes. There was a great meme doing the rounds last week that I saw, which was um, a picture of Carl Drogo. Yes, and it was I, re- like, I retweeted that, yeah. Oh, you tweeted yeah, that? Yeah. yeah. And it was Carl Drogo name brand. <laughs> name brand and great value. And, and yeah, <laughs> Carl Morrow, great value. Great value. Like, generic. <clears throat> and and, and that, I hadn't thought of that initially, but then when I saw that meme and then when I saw him again, I went, oh yeah, he's a bit... He's the, he's the cut, he's the cut prize. Yeah. The he's the casting couch. Yeah. You know, doesn't quite have the realness <laughs> of Carl And Dragon. they all are. And she points that out. You are, you are small men and oh. you don't, you don't deserve to lead the, the Dothraki, but I, but I do. So I will. Yeah. She's oh, great. Everything about that scene was... <clears throat> Played perfectly to, to even their sort of awkward, like, is she really talking to us like this? <laughs> they can't believe it. Is she? No, no woman has ever talked to them like that is before. This, is this real life? Is this, <laughs> is this just fantasy? What? Hang on. Wait, didn't you just hear when we said we're going to like rape you a lot? <laughs> that wasn't an idle threat. No. <laughs> you should be in tears on the ground by now yeah, waiting why, for us to take mercy. Why aren't you? What's oh, happening? right. You're a magical fire princess. Yeah. Yeah. But she is just she's she's magnificent in the sequence. Everything she says is delivered so well. Like every line, she walks around. She just lures them into a sense of like, what the hell's going on? Just like <laughs> this is where Carl Drogo told me my son would be the stallion who mounts the world. We're going to ride across the sea mm. and claim Westeros. The mother of mountains promised it, and this framing where she's in full sight of the braziers and saying, you know, the mother he swore to the mother of mountains. And what do you talk about? Yeah. You know, how many horses you'll get, how many girls you'll get. Yeah. You're a small man. And I'm just <laughs> like, yes. I am just, ah. Oh, I just want to dive into the television and, like, hug her and uh, bow at her feet. And then, and then they have then they have that wonderful finale to that whole scene in the episode where the meeting hall is just a light. And yeah. And she walks out naked just like... At the end of series one, mm. no dragons this time. No, no dragons this time. But in a and much, she actually but seeming much more powerful than she did that initial time. She was someone who was just finding out. Although it has been pointed out, she's undergone like a truncated version of her arc over the last five seasons. They've redone her arc for some reason, where she's started quite low. Oh, like when she got kidnapped. Become, yeah, yeah, and become yeah. and become high status again, and like. But I, the thing about it was I did not expect that to be the way that she would get out of that. No, neither did I. I, I expected Drogon to show up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I expected – I don't know I, – I just had nothing in my mind of – Yeah. And I, I don't really, – I feel like that's not giving credit to her for knowing what to do, but I guess I just didn't think about that firepower. Like that that's right, exactly. The, 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 literal, the literal um, um, immunity it, to fire she walks she in and it's right there. Yeah. She, fire is mm. the blazers are right there but i guess i thought that maybe i just i didn't occur to me and then no, when yeah. she says when she puts her hand on the brazier i went oh shit like yeah that's like, when like the she, penny drops. yeah she and doesn't she says, feel that at all you're not going to serve you're yeah. going to die yeah and then it was like oh my god of course yeah but i just felt like such an idiot that it didn't, <laughs> again it was like why didn't i see that coming like that 
you know, and of but course, as you say, we were expecting, but maybe they've led us to believe that because they showed us pictures of Drogon kind of flying. And this is what I mean, yeah. And so we expected either Drogon to come or that, um, you know, there would be some sort of daring escape where, with Jorah where Jorah and, yeah. and Mario would rescue her. And yeah. it's like, no, she doesn't need rescuing. She's got this. Yeah. It's fine, guys. Stand down. Um, what did you make is, of the Dothraki? Because a few people have said, do you believe that the Dothraki would actually kneel to her like that? She's just killed all their leaders. Yes. Do you think that they Well, because they that's, what, that's what the Dothraki do. That, that's built into their culture is that if their leader gets killed, the they, most are, powerful they follow, they follow yeah. him instead. That's what I, that's what I felt yeah, as well. So absolutely. I thought it was an interesting argument. And I love that um, it's, it, it is a mirroring of her um, arc, especially from the first season, but instead of a tiny, the, the tiny scattered remnants of her initial Kalasar, it's every single Dothraki yeah, in, in Isos. She's now at the head of the biggest horde that that world has ever seen. And it was brilliant to see Mario because, I mean, Jorah obviously... She finally got her Dothraki army, yeah, in other words. Yeah, the one she got sold for. Yeah, exactly. Back in the beginning. But Jorah goes and kneels down straight away. Yeah. Um, a few people have pointed out he takes a sneaky glimpse, glimpse <laughs> at her boobs. And then Mario and then just, has... to, just to get male gazy for a second, of course you would. You know. <laughs> but, well, I... And I'm, I'm surprised to see uh, Amelia Clark nuding up again. This and is the thing. For were a, they were they real? Were they? She says she says they were. Um, oh, she did. There's there's already um, articles up where she says no, that's me. Oh, cool. Um, I chose to do that because it's a very powerful scene. Oh, good. And she wanted oh, to good be, for her. Because yeah. I thought, given like the Cersei body doubles yeah. and stuff, they could have. Yeah, and I think that's why they sort of clarified that. No, 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 it's her. Like she, she, she very. She decided she has that clause. She's the only actress on the show with that clause in her contract, where she doesn't have to do nudity anymore if she doesn't want to. They'll, Cersei they'll, must have it because she doesn't do nudity. I, th- I don't know, but but she definitely has that clause in her contract where she doesn't have to be nude yeah. if she doesn't want to. But she decided, no, 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 that scene warranted it. And yeah. it did. Like, she walks naked from the flames and sort of reborn again. We're seeing, yeah. like, a, a third version of Danny now. <laughs> reborn, reborn Reborn, again. reborn. She, but uh, it, does make me, it does make me worried because she is a Targaryen and I, she was very imperial- when she walked out of that burning hut. You think she'll start believing her own hype? Yeah. I do worry that that's, you know, I, I worry, I, I don't necessarily worry from a dramatic point of view, but I do well, worry for her that you like, make that's point. the path that she's now on. Her father was the mad king who said, burn them all, burn, burn them, them all. all. So, you know? And now she has, she's a, she has three dragons. She's at the head of two supposedly unstoppable armies. And all she needs to do is cross the narrow sea. And she's in Westeros. And... What's going to happen then? Mm. And fighting for once, we're pretty close to finding out because yeah. the show is zipping ahead. It's amazing. Yeah. It's so great. Well, next week is halfway through. Yeah, but just like like narratively as well. Like I feel like the show that the books were never an anchor because like without them, we wouldn't have like Game of Thrones. Like we mm. wouldn't have the show. But the show always. It was, it was, I felt especially in season five, it was treading water, waiting desperately, hoping that the, the books would catch up and, and sort of being quite beholden to what the books had done previously. And now they're like, well, we've already surpassed the books, so let's just make this awesome. Mm. Let's make it as awesome as possible. Do things that may not necessarily have been in the books. Look, we have a vague outline. Apparently George R. R. Martin has talked with the showrunners about what yeah. is in store. They know what's going to happen, but now they get to choose how it happens. Mm. And I think the first four episodes of this season have been some of the best since the first season. Like, like you know, they've been 
incredible. Like one, two, three, four have been really solid episodes. And I think that's because the showrunners now get to run the thing like a TV show. Each episode has had a really great climax. Characters are coming together. We're getting rid of some of the extraneous cast. I'm very sorry, Osha, but there you go. <laughs> like, we're, we're, we're streamlining things down so that we have it's simplified, not dumbed down, but just simplified so that we have clear goals for all the characters. And I think that's really starting to happen, and it's invigorating to watch it after arguably at least a season, maybe two, of wheel spinning. Where oh, may, maybe maybe one season fair. last se- last season there was a lot of wheel spinning. It was hard home though. There was awesome there was no no and don't get me wrong. There, there's always high you points. Can't there's go every season. My show. Every, it's my show too, Nat. We we love it. We love it equally. It's Actually, you probably love it more than I do. No, yeah, I love true. it greatly, and you that's love it wholly. But that's um, just because <laughs> just because it has more happiness than my actual life. <laughs> Game of Thrones has more happiness than your actual life? Yeah, it's a bit brutal. <laughs> you should see these cats in the morning. Oh, yeah, I'd imagine. It gets red wedding in here. <laughs> yeah. Stu, we've come to the end of our podcast, if you can believe. Let's just have another moment to think about how awesome Tormian was. Tormian is my everything. <laughs> um, it's fantastic. I love so it. good. Um, yes, if you can draw a picture of... Uh, what was his name? Kevin, the Aussie Wester Aussie. Kevin, the Aussie Wester Aussie. Please do. <laughs> and please, if you are on iTunes listening to this podcast, leave us a review or a rating or both. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever you fancy, you know, just what you feel the podcast is worth. And if you are on Patreon, a massive big thank you to everyone who's on Patreon. My campaign there just clicked over $400. That, that doesn't mean that I have to get dressed up in a, a costume Not yet, yet. That's right. $500. Okay, right. $400. So if everyone now. could keep getting, if everyone could keep giving up until the point where I have to do anything, <laughs> that I'd really appreciate that. That'd well, be great. Well, I have to still write my Dothraki beat poem. Yes. Unfortunately, I've just, I've been so busy. I will get to it, but I've, <laughs> I, I don't mean to put it off, but I, I am getting to it. Um, so it will go up on Patreon first for the patrons to, to get the mm. first look at that and uh, before I'll put it up on Facebook a week later or something. But I will let you know. So I'm sorry that it's it's taking me a while, but life, you know. Stu, thank you so much. I had a ball this episode, this podcast. You know, normally they're a drag. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, 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 had, I had a great I'm time watching kidding. and I had a great time talking about uh, it. So good. This was great. Just please don't kill everyone I love next week, Game it's, of Thrones. I know, and that's that's... The, the sword of Damocles is hanging <laughs> over all our heads. It is. So uh, we will see you. Oh, hang on. We forgot to talk about Arya's storyline this week, but that's okay. Because she, she, she wasn't in it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hopefully see her next week. So as we like to say, Alamogulus. Winter is coming. <laughs> <laughs>